Welcome to the show, Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max here with the one and only Craig Carton. Craig Carton, how's it going? Good. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, congratulations on the ratings of being the top spot in the afternoon drive. Yeah, I appreciate it. We're, uh, we're very fortunate that uh, we uh, got to number one in a very short amount of time. So that's, uh, that's a good thing. Now we keep uh, plugging along. Mm-hmm. What do you think it takes to become that number one spot? on a station such as WFAN? Well, I was fortunate enough to do it in mornings for 10 That's years. That's right. Um, so coming back now, it's, you know, the it's New York sports fans got to, you know, think that you're legit, right? You can't fake the funk. You, uh, you got to be uh, legitimate, honest, open, and they got to respect that, you know, and ultimately you got to entertain them. So I'm blessed that I'm in a position where, you know, I've been able to entertain New Yorkers and they accept you know, what I do on the radio and want to hear more of it. So I'm, uh, I'm fortunate, you know, I was fortunate to do it for 10 years in the mornings. And now, you know, four or five months into the afternoon show, being able to do it again is uh, pretty cool. And I'm uh, you're very thankful to New Yorkers for accepting me and giving me a chance to come back and do it again. How did it feel to touch that mic for the second time and coming back after everything that went on? Because you serve as a huge inspiration for people that make a mistake and that they can still come back and make it big. Yeah, hopefully I'm the poster child for that, right? That mm-hmm. uh, you can fuck up and uh, and if you do the right things and work your ass off to put yourself in a position where you get a second opportunity that someone will afford it to you and make the most of it because, you know, I lived it, I did it. Um, and I think there's some credibility to that too. Like I don't shy away from it, I own it. You know, I messed up and I messed up on my own accord and you know, touching the microphone and being back on and being able to say, you know, hey, Billy, from New York, you're on the fan, um, was powerful and uh, emotional and, you know, uh, even better the second time around, really. Mm-hmm. Let's start from the beginning of your passion. I'm going to close my door, so go ahead. I'm listening. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want to start from the beginning of when your passion of radio came about and developed and you going to Syracuse and graduating there with broadcasting journalism with a degree. Yeah, well, I knew what I didn't want to do as opposed to what I did want to do. You know, I knew I didn't want to wear a jacket and tie. I couldn't sit in a cubicle. I I just don't have the personality for it. Um, and then I just, I kind of fell into radio. I was making prank calls to a student-run radio station in Syracuse called WJPZ, which is a pretty well-known station. It's like a top 40 station up there. And I was just doing voices and calling in a prank in their morning show. And they loved it. So they were like, yo, man, whoever you are, can you come in and meet us? Cause we'd like to make you a part of the show. And I was like, shit. Yeah. Why not? So I got into radio that way doing that. Um, and then that led me to doing a play by play for women's basketball. And I was doing a Sunday night call and show, but I grew up loving, you know, WFAN, um, you know, in high school prior to going to college. And uh, it seemed like that'd be pretty cool. Right. Get paid to talk about sports. And then I just got lucky. I just, you know, I got a job in Buffalo and that led to a job in Cleveland and that led to a job in Philly. And, you know, before you know it, I'm the youngest guy in America at the time doing a full-time major market sports talk. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I was doing, but um, young guys liked it. And that's something that you can't fake. So I was very lucky that the way I presented a show with no, like no one could teach you how to do a show just appeal to young guys. And I've done that ever since. 
something that we have in common is that you were also a DJ in college, DJ at a yeah. pub in Syracuse. Yeah, that's how I made money. You know, I didn't come from any money, so I had, I had a hustle. Uh, like it says above your right shoulder. So, mm -hmm. you know, now this is, you know, before all the technology, you know, and before having an Apple computer up in front of you uh, meant you were a DJ. You know, we had record players and we did have CD players. We had digital CD players, which you couldn't scratch on, but you could obviously go one song to another song pretty uh, seamlessly. But on the record players, you could do whatever you wanted to do. So, yeah, so a couple nights a week, I would uh, DJ at two different uh, Syracuse bars. And that's how I made drinking money, basically. And uh, I loved it. Yeah. What were your top five hip-hop records to scratch or play for your audience? Oh, wow. Jesus. Well, back then, uh, Lisa Lisa, the Cult Jam would have been up there for sure. Um, you got to play Rapper's Delight. Mm -hmm. Run DMC was obviously huge. You know, it's a lot different than it is now. The type of rap is different also. Um, so those are probably three of the big ones. Although Lisa Lisa's not rap, obviously. But, but that genre, like Stevie B and I'll Be Sure. Mm -hmm. um, Getting into R&B now, I'll Be Eric Sure. Eric B and Rakim were huge. Like they came, I remember seeing them at Syracuse um, after a big rally was there. They played. So really old school, like the godfathers of New York hip hop. I wasn't really familiar then with much hip hop outside of New York. You know, I knew, you know, NWA came a little bit later on. Um, but I was just an East Coast guy who just loved that music. Like, I grew up on Motown. So, you know, I hated rock music where most of my friends were into Zeppelin and the Stones and all that. You know, I was into urban music. I loved Motown. I loved oldies. And then when this new genre came about, you know, kind of street hip hop, which is really what it was, you know, I fell in love with that real quick. Who's on your Mount Rushmore? Because when we spoke on the phone, I told you who was on mine, yeah. which was Tupac, Nas, Biggie. We can go on the Slick Rick, Rakim, Big Pun. Yeah, I don't think there is. I you know I put that out online a couple months ago just to f for people, but I, there's you can't do just four. No, it's you impossible. can't. You can't. There's no such thing as just four. Because if I go, if I just take you know Nas, Biggie, Jay, and you know, who? Uh, Tupac's not on the list. You know, you know, people forget, you know, Ice-T early on wasn't so much of a gangster rapper. He did some bubblegum rap early on, which was great. <laughs> you know, MC Light, you know, how do you not have her on the list from Brooklyn? So, yeah, I don't, I don't think, you might be able to come up with four women. That's possible. But I don't, like, you probably have Queen Latifah, MC Light, Salt and Pepper. Boxy Brown. Maybe, um, probably Roxanne early on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you probably better shot doing it with women. I don't think you can do it just overall. I think, I think it's an impossible ask. Mm -hmm. Well, rap today has changed drastically. It's terrible. In my opinion, it's not as good. There's no lyrics. The beats have changed. It's all trap music now. Yeah. Well, I hate trap music, but I, I feel like sometimes I sound old when I say that because, you know, it's, you know, music is generational. Yo, so my kids don't get what I like. And my gut is that their kids aren't going to, and they're not going to get what their kids like, whatever it is, you know, 20 years from now. So I think music is generational, but I think I would still take the lyrics of any rapper from 20 years ago. And I think I'd win that battle. Mm. Now there are guys like, like little Wayne's lyrics are, are awesome. 
you know, there are guys, Eminem, obviously, who I think is a goat, uh, awesome. So there are guys that still lyrically, you know, it's like sports, right? Any era. But I, I think overall, I don't think rap is nearly as good as it was. Have you had the chance to interview any rappers during your career? Run DMC. That's uh, In studio, which was great. Um, Dougie Fresh. Fire. Salt and Pepper. Um, I used to do these tailgate parties before Jet and Giant games where we'd slap pigs and eat, uh, you know, we'd um, pull pork and stuff. And I'd bring old school rappers, you know, to perform at the, at the tailgate party. So I got to meet a bunch of those guys. Um, not all of them, obviously, but a bunch. If there was one that you could interview, say, on your show, because I know you, you guys, with, that, with you and Evan, you've talked about getting artists on your show. Who's that one rapper you would love to have on? Wow. If it was a if it was a no holds barred legitimate, like the person's gonna talk for real for real, I would want to talk to Jay, I think. Mm -hmm. I think he fascinates me. Um, you know, obviously, you know, if you're gonna go guys that aren't living, you know, I'd love to I'd love like I think I'm a great interviewer. Mm -hmm. I would love to interview Tupac and Biggie at the same time. That to me would have been a great interview. And I know they did some stuff on stage together, um, but that would have been a great interview, mm -hmm. uh, which obviously never happened. Um, if you could have a legit conversation with Eminem, I think that'd be great. Because I like to know how their brains work. Mm -hmm. Like Eminem once did his famous interview on 60 Minutes, where he taught, I think it was Ed Wallace, whoever it was, how to rhyme the word orange. Orange, that's right. I know and what you're it talking was about. fucking awesome. Um, so yeah, like I'd love to get to know like, like, I have a unique skill what I do. Like, stand-up comics have a unique skill. Rappers have a unique skill. Some of them can't rap off the head. They can't do it off the cuff. No. They can do what they write down. Some guys just give them a beat. Well, I tell you, one of the best freestylers out there, and people think I'm kidding, is Little Dicky. You know, if you give Little Dicky a beat, he's as good as anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, Logic is maybe one of the, is the best freestylers I've ever heard. Um, so I respect that talent, that skill, because it's hard. It's hard to do. Mm -hmm. Getting back to your career and working with Evan Roberts, how's it different from working with Boomer Esiason? Well, he's smaller, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> no, it's different because the dynamic is different. You know, with Boomer, I was the little brother who liked to poke him. You know, and I'm not. That's not the relationship that I have with Evan because I am older than Evan, so I have more life experience than he does. My kids are older, all that stuff. So I think there, you know, I had a change in how I deliver myself because my partner's different. I got to be respectful of Evan's skills and what he's great at, which is the sports stuff. And then along the way, I hope that I can bring out his personality beyond sports. You know, with Boomer, it was kind of the opposite where I was a little brother who's mischievous, you know, getting in trouble. And really, I always say I humanized Boomer. I was trying, I made Boomer for the radio audience, into more of a real person, right? You know, as opposed to just a football player or the guy you see on TV. Because I think a lot of times we forget that these are just regular guys. So I think, uh, so that dynamic was a lot different. But, I'm, you know, I'm lucky with both because I'm working with two really good guys. Like, they both allow me to do what I do. And not everyone would allow that. And I, I can't do it any other way. So for Evan, it's easier because I had a, a track record of success here. So he respects that. 
So he'd be an idiot not to let me do what I do. With Boomer, Boomer had to take the leap of faith that I knew what I was doing without ever hearing me do it. Because Boomer didn't know who I was. You know, I had 20 years of radio success behind me, but he never heard my name before. So the difference there is Boomer had to take a much bigger leap of faith than Evan had to. Evan basically had to just say, well, I saw this guy do it for 10 years, you know, more successfully than anybody else. Why would I get in the way of that? And he's been a great partner. It seems that way. 100%. You guys are the number one ratings over Michael K. Thank God that shows like listening to paint dry. This Thursday is the draft. We're both yeah. Jet fans. Yeah. Are you confident in Zach Wilson being the franchise quarterback for you? I got no choice, <laughs> right? He better be good. <laughs> every, you know, I can't go get a quarterback every three years, but you know, from by no means am I a quarterback guru. None of us are. So the people you hear on the radio or TV that claim to know what the fuck they're talking about, they don't. So I'll lean on people who know what they're talking about. And as far as, I don't know what the kid's going to be like with a blitz or anything else. But as far as technically speaking, can he play quarterback? Everyone says there's no doubt about it. So I'll cross my fingers. I'll put on my Wesley Walker jersey. And I'll <laughs> hope that uh, the kid can play. And that's it. Who do you think they should select at the 23rd pick overall? I got no idea. I'm not going to pretend like I did. I'm not. That's not me. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not one of those. Uh, I'm not a draft dude. I don't sit at home. I don't analyze it. Um, I will, I can guarantee you this. I'll, I will be the only guy in radio that tells you he knows absolutely nothing about the guy they picked 23rd. I don't, I don't claim to. And that's, you know, I think what makes us different also. Like Evan will probably know the guy. Everyone else on the radio is going to claim like, this is what I love about radio, right? And now the internet. Oh, great pick, great pick. Or, oh, terrible pick. You never saw the guy play. Exactly. Do I know? Yeah, so, yeah, that's how I feel about it. I think they I should. Hope take, they, I hope they do the right thing. I don't know. I think they should take Travis Etienne out of Clemson, the running back. Look, I saw the kid play like you did. Great. Take him. I don't know. Whoever they pick, I, I view, I say this a lot. I view it like I view, I view a lot of aspects of life. The way I view being on an airplane. I don't know who the pilot is but I'm fucking rooting for him, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know who they're taking at 23, but I'm rooting for him. I feel the same way like about, like I don't talk politics because I think it's stupid too. Mm -hmm. So who's the president? Doesn't matter. He's my airline pilot. I don't know the guy, but I'm rooting for him. And that's how I view it. And that's the best way to go through mm -hmm. it, I think. Mm -hmm. like you, don't have to have, uh, you don't have to have an opinion on everything. You can say, which makes it real. I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I say that. I don't know. I, I agree with you on that. And out of the three teams, because I'm also a Matt and Knicks fan, same as you are, who do you think will be the first one to win a chip? I'd probably say the Mets are closest right now. Like, I love what the Knicks are doing. And, uh, you know, I thought they were going to have a tough time last night, so I got lucky Sons. on that. But, you know, I saw there's going to be a tough spot. Phoenix coming off a loss to Brooklyn. The Knicks are not a championship team yet by far. But the Mets, you know, because they got DeGrom, and if Stroman pitches the way he pitched the first few starts, you know, I think the Mets, I don't think they're winning a championship this year, 
But of those three, I think they're closest. Do you think when it's all said and done, Jacob DeGrom goes down as a top 10 pitcher of all time? His ERA right now is a .36. He's batting, I think, a five fifty. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah, listen, he it's, you know, Tom Seaver, Dwight Gooden, and DeGrom. And by the time DeGrom's done, that order might be completely different. You know, he stays healthy, stays a Met. There's no reason to think he won't be the greatest Met pitcher of all time. He won't have the wins of the the of the league's great, but that's not on him. His ARA will be there. Strikeouts will be there. And uh, what he does is just ridiculous. For the Knicks, do you think that they will finally attract the big names in the offseason? I was reading reports, DeMar DeRozan may be a top target. Or do you think that they should stick with what they have going now with the, the young guys and the veterans that they have right now? Liz, I think at some point you do have to go get a stud free agent. Just the way the NBA is built right now. I think you have to remember probably half the role players that are playing good minutes for them right now aren't going to be here next year, just the nature of the business. So I think you have a good little core, right? Mm -hmm. You've got Randall, who's a legitimate stud now. You've got quickly, your Rose, how long is he really going to be here? So you've got some pieces that I think you can build around. And I think ultimately, though, for the Knicks to, you know, elevate themselves from, all right, we're a little bit better than 500. Okay, we are now a legitimate postseason team okay how do we get to milwaukee philly and i'll keep brooklyn out of it because of how they're built i'm not knocking it but i'll keep them out because they're different what do we have to do to get to the philly milwaukee level and to me that's really you know you get the right free agent i would think you're at that level so i think the knicks are getting close growing up craig carton who was that sports personality for you that you looked up to Bernard King. I've always said the Knicks are my favorite team of all my teams. Uh, Bernard King, although he wasn't here all that long. I remember putting white tape on my fingers, going out in the backyard and trying to make, you know, a fadeaway baseline jump shot like Bernard King. And uh, in baseball, it was Mookie Wilson. But nobody in my life trumped Bernard King because uh, I, I just, that was the guy. Number 30. Uh, that, that was the guy. You know, 50 points back-to-back nights had never been done before, right? That was my guy. So, that was one of the cool things, like becoming friendly with him based on you know, who he was to me as when I was a kid uh, was one of those surreal kind of life moments. Uh, so, but yeah, it was Bernard King all the way through. Growing up also, you asked me who was my favorite. Did I? Let's talk radio. Yeah, host you of said Mike Francesa, my wife <laughs> was one of dick. <laughs> well, I have to go with Mike because he's a St. John's alumni. Respect for what he did right, for radio. It's all good. It's all good. What he did for radio. You're in my top five, though, because if you want me to break down the top five and give you the top five. Uh, I got to hear this. Your top uh, five radio guys. Mike's one. Good. Mm-hmm. I, I got to go with Chris, Mad Dog, of course. All right. Joe Beningo, Steve Summers, and you. In that order? Mm-hmm. Well, Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you the exact. You're going. You're going. Mike and Chris one and two. That's fine. That's yeah, fine. but you're too young. You didn't hear them in their heyday. But I, I get that. It's fine. It's all good. Because mm-hmm. I, I love those guys growing up too. Yeah. Everyone thing like I don't like Mike. That's a personal thing between me and Mike. Mm-hmm. But I listen. I love Mike and Chris. 